When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome once again to The View from the Lane, the multi-award winning Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. I'm Danny Kelly, joining me today from The Athletic, James Moore and Charlie Eccleshare. And on this episode of The View from the Lane, we'll discuss Spurs' amazing goal-scoring record, a whole raft of your very, very good and thought-provoking questions. Thanks in advance, those of you who sent those. And for those of you who didn't get your questions on, it's no reflection. They just weren't as good as the ones we're going to do. Um, and we'll, we'll try and preview Wolves at home. The previewing Spurs games, I think, is a mug's, a mug's occupation these days. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, welcome aboard, everybody. Um, let's uh, kick things off. First question is from the very famous Greg Jenner, massive Spurs fan. And in his own words, it's a, it's a pointless hypothetical. Greg says... Deki and Udogi are both left-footers who invert, but on opposite sides of the pitch and at different ends. If we swap Deki and Udogi's positions, Deki at left-back, Destiny at right-wing, but both cutting inside, who would adapt better to his new position? Uh, I think uh, Kudusevsky would adapt better, or at least that it's e- typically it's easier for wingers to adapt to playing as a full-back than it is full-backs to try and become wingers. I mean, I was always resistant as James knows the idea of Porro playing on the wing which a lot of people wanted because I think that's really hard for a fullback to do so I think I think as a winger you're asked to like Udogi's not really asked to beat players he can do it he's brilliant at doing it um, from deeper positions but to receive the ball out wide high up the pitch cut in beat a man I think I think would be a big adaptation whereas obviously for Kudzeski it'd be an adaptation as well but I think with Van der Ven next to him, as you know, if he were to to be slightly out of position, you've got statistically the quickest player in the Premier League to help him, to help bail him out. So yeah, and and the word bail is important there. Because, it really is. Uh, that was going to be my segue, Danny. Oh, absolutely. Um, because Udogi beats players in the. I'm not making a comparison yet. Um, Udogi beats players in the bail manner, doesn't he? He doesn't dribble past he runs past them. Here's some good news because I am going to make that comparison and in fact I think I think I made that comparison in like September when I suggested that Udogi may have a similar career trajectory as Bale in as much as he'd go from left back to being an attacking attacking (laughs) player which would I guess mean potentially eventually playing on the right as an inverted winger so I can see that I mean, he doesn't have the sort of um, the finishing, I guess, that Bale kind of always had. So I suppose in a way you'd argue that wouldn't work as well. But for the purposes of being consistent, in my opinion, and also going against Charlie, which makes it more interesting, I will say Udogi as an inverted right winger. Um, The next question, thanks for that, Greg. The next question is uh, from a beautifully named person, Tim Bershevez. I hope I've got that surname uh, correct. 
And this is a really interesting question for me because I've been working this podcast um, for two award-winning years now. And um, I don't know the answer to this, but you two, one is the person who sets up the working day, you, James, Ober, Oberleutnant and Master, and the other is the person who does the actual graft, in the case of Charlie. And Tim would like to know, what does a typical non-match day look like for Charlie and Jack, it says here, um, and how do you decide who goes to the games? Um, well, James, I'll start with you. Um, you have this immense raft, this plethora of talent at your disposal. How is how do you decide to deploy such riches? Yeah, I don't, there definitely have been... I mean, generally, I should say, we do get two Spurs reporters and the reporter for the away team into our Spurs home game. So... One seat. They've got to be very small people, haven't they? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, generally, there aren't any arguments over who goes to home games. I, that I can think of, anyway. But there must... Uh, I, I mean, I hope... Charlie and of course Jack don't mind me saying there have definitely been a couple where there's been a bit of a disagreement on who should be going to an away game haven't there Charlie I can't think of many because generally coward uh, you're a coward um, come on I can't, I can't think which game I'll, I'll, give, I'll give him time to make up his excuses Jace are they arguing for the gig <laughs> or against the gig it probably depends who the manager is and how old fuck Burnley playing. away yeah exactly um, there was, no, 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 yeah, let's talk about Burnley away actually specifically right. because Charlie famously slash infamously went to the Burnley away game in when was that like January 2022 they got no it was November 2021 they got snowed off oh sorry they got snowed off in the midst of all the games being called off for uh, Omicron I think uh, Omicron. Oh, all right, mate. All right, science yeah. boy. Get your Greek letters right. Um, <laughs> yeah. What an insult, Charlie. Yeah, he can't even yeah. get the Greek words correct. Uh, <laughs> and then I had to go back up to... Basically, I had to go to Burnley twice that season. I guess were they both... Well, one was a Sunday and one was a midweek, I think. Uh, yeah, no, I, I did the Sunday one. So got there and it was snowed off. And then Jack did the rearranged game. Was that the infamous game where where Sean Dyche went out in his in in yes. a, a t shirt? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So games were getting called off for Omicron, but that was because of bad weather. Yeah. At, at the time, it was the in, it was uh, Conte's infamous rant. It's sub- it subsequently been superseded by other yeah. rants, more infamous rants. Yeah. 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 No, he went, Jack went to the rearranged game, which was in February. Yeah, of, of the the Conte rant uh, of of Conte rant fame or. Infamy. Anyway, the long and short is since then, Charlie and I think Jack have both basically refused to go to Burnley. And I Tim No Yes. Tim went to the Tim went this season, didn't he? The, Tim went this season August. because I, I booked a holiday in April that took in that that weekend. And when the fixtures came out, I did that was the you know, normally you're like, Oh, what's the first game you look at? Is it you know, is it the North London Derby? Is it United or well, whatever? When's Burnley away? Uh, I have to pretend I have a holiday. And I uh so I looked at He that was on September. holiday in Berry, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I looked at that September 2nd, 3rd weekend, whatever it was, and how delighted I was to see that it was probably the most... In- it, it is the most inconvenient away trip. Uh, it's like like Newcastle, for instance, is is really good in comparison. It's one train, it's quick. Oh, and you also got the lovely East Coast line. It's a lovely train ride as well. Exactly. Let, let's Well, listen, before this becomes too barbed, let's return to the original question. What does an, a non-match day look like for oh, you, yeah. Charlie? Very oh, relaxed, yeah. I imagine. Like, I see hammocks and cocktails. Well, it depends. I mean, obviously, a press conference day is different as well because that, that sort of dominates the day otherwise so the week starts with typically me james and jack will have a call the three of us 
work out what it is we want to do and then get going on on those pieces and those pieces will involve making calls uh they might involve watching clips on y scout um they might involve other kinds of research uh and then obviously there's the writing element of it so i'd say on a typical day what i'm doing is calling contacts calling it might be calling someone specific you know and that would be for you know general chats it might be calling people specifically for a piece it might be yeah watching some clips and doing some writing and pod you know doing a podcast or two so the days fill up very quickly and because the pieces have to be sort of different and a bit more in depth they do each require quite a bit of work you have to be quite organized because you're always sort of trying to stay one step ahead so that you're never going into a week with sort of no ideas because doing pieces doing like three pieces a week all from scratch is is really hard okay i mean and uh, well that that's good to know um next up is a person whose handle um is based on a b52 song so hello rock lobster 66 and he says or she says i have no idea um what do we need in terms of a puzzle piece to start killing teams off is it a clinical finisher, a more complete wide man, or a more incisive midfielder? We just seem to be lacking an ingredient. Loving the progress made so far, but wondering what is the thing that we're missing. I guess a simpler way of putting it, says Rock Clubs of 66, is if you were Johan Langer, uh, Scott Munn, and Angie's shoes, if you're in those shoes, who would you be looking to sign in the summer, James? I mean, I think the thing that it's felt like they missed the most probably is that kind of incisive midfield player, the player that can make the kind of killer pass to completely carve a team apart. And we know, obviously, James Madison can do that. And if he's in the team, that clearly will massively help. But one, he is only one player. And two, he is a. I don't want to go as far as to say he's injury-prone, but he is probably a player who will have an injury a season on average. So he'll miss some games. So that that would be the kind of player I think they probably need now, like a central midfield playmaker who can kind of keep things ticking over, but also play the killer ball that will find either someone like Son in space to score a goal or one of the wide players to then play one of those balls across that we have seen so many times in the last few months as as being like a kind of key tactic for, for Postecoglou Spurs. Um, Charlie, what do, you, what do you think is the answer to a Rock Lobster 66 question? Uh, I felt for a while that what I think they really need is a winger in the kind of Jeremy Doku mould, someone who can just get it, keep taking on their man, be really relentless in that way and kind of keep Spurs high up the pitch. I think one of the issues they've had is they don't really have that kind of player. Um, and I think, and also talked about before that they, attacks often break down and, um, you know, things are very helter-skelter. I think having someone like him who can just really force a defence back um could be really useful and or someone who is just a bit better we've spoken about this before you know than sort of Richarlison or Sonar at, at keeping the ball protecting it bringing others into it and just allowing Spurs to move up the pitch so that it's not quite so held to scouter but yeah I I do think and, and that's what um Antonio Nusa who they looked at he he was in that kind of doku um mold so I do think that's something they're going to look at in the summer yeah, I've got an answer to this as well, but I think I'm going to leave it actually because it's actually a better answer to another question that's coming down the pipe. Um, and it's always difficult, Rock, Rock Lobster 66, because everybody, as I say, has, has access to these databases now. And it's, we often find ourselves discussing and yearning for players that none of us have really seen more than a few clips of on YouTube. And I think this is where the uh, 
recruitment department of clubs has become so so important you know every player is known to every club um seeing something in them that they they haven't perhaps been used to doing at, at their other club or finding a potential that can be fulfilled uh, that's the trick at the moment fingers crossed Spurs are doing pretty well with it um this is uh, the next question is from neo sapien and they say imagine a view from the lane five aside team and the squad is pretty thin it's me Jack, Charlie, James, and Tim. Who plays where, and who is the star player? I would be amazed. Um, I would be amazed, and I, and I don't want to do a disservice to anyone else. And I've never seen Charlie play football, but I'd be amazed if Charlie wasn't the best player on that team. I'd be I mean, amazed too. It feels incredibly unlikely to me. I'm, I'm presuming Neo Sapien. I'm allowed to talk about myself when I was not the uh, crumbling remains of a once great beauty that you see before you today. Um, but actually at my physical peak, I'm playing football regularly. And I don't think there was ever a player less designed for five-a-side football than me. Now, believe me, I played for a long time and I enjoyed it. And I was in one or two decent teams where I was always the 11th best player. But the problem was big, very, very strong uh, in, my, uh, you know, in my physical peak and pretty quick over the ground. In my mind, therefore, I am Mickey van der Ven. <laughs> in reality, I was Federico Fazio, uh, and that's the truth <laughs> of it. Angular, boned. Uh, maybe I'm doing myself to service. I'm a better player than Fazio. Yeah, I was a better player than Fazio. E you know, even at professional level. Um, Charlie, are you a good footballer? Uh, yeah, I'm alright. I, I find it really hard to answer because it's very relative. Even now, when I play, some weeks I'll play and I'll be like, "Yeah, I've still got it," and then others I'll be like, "Oh God, I'm really off the pace." But uh, yeah, we had a game. Uh, we played a Spurs media against Spurs uh, like media staff game right uh, at the training ground last year which was a four all draw and then we won on penalties it was a thriller but none of none of uh, the view, the other view from the lane lads uh, joined me on it but yeah it was good fun yeah I've played like I've played 11 aside always mm. really like 11 aside obviously played yeah, 11 is better like, than 5 isn't it I think so yeah. I just think it's proper football you get to kind of live out your dreams uh five aside i really enjoy but it's less kind of serious and proper like 11 aside i can remember so much i can remember basically like all the goals some assists five aside i don't remember anything because it just didn't really mean as much even though it's it's fun and easy to do and easier to do obviously so yeah i still i and i still get to play 11 aside now not as regularly as i used to but james i should make the point for those who can't see us that you know i'm a big man james is a Likewise. very big human being Thank you. Um, and uh, and some would say perhaps not shapely, suitably suited physique-wise for five-a-side. You need to be nearer the ground. You're a long way from the ground, my friend. That is true, yeah. If we're, if we're playing overhead height, then I'm Yeah, I'm if we're playing head the whole, tennis, you're the, the, you're the dude. System. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did quite successfully play in goal in one five-a-side tournament once, but this was in the scouts. Right. Which, <laughs> I was going to say that we which do need we'll a keeper. place it in, I would say, the late 90s. Very good. Well, I hope that helps. So it looks like I'm playing, reading the game, centre-back, walking pace. Charlie's, I think I'd have to be a midfielder, uh, Charlie, because you need to get as many touches as possible. You can go in goal, James, and replicate those glory days. Um, the final question before we have a break, and we will get back to the more serious, but they're all serious matters. These have great questions, thank you. This is a brilliant question from Chris B. And uh, they say, if any of you could experience being one Spurs player current former living or dead for one memorable moment who would it be and why i think lucas mora scoring that hat trick in amsterdam just for a 
I mean, yeah, I, I can remember, I scored a goal that won my uh, Sunday league team, the league, the top league in the Camden Sunday league. And it's one of the best moments of my life. And that was in front of no one and for zero stakes. So to multiply that by a million or however many to do what Mora did, I just, I mean, how, how good must that have felt? It's actually impossible to imagine, but probably close to ecstasy. Okay, well, I, I've been thinking about it a lot, and um, I think I'd go back to the second leg of the 1984 uh, UEFA Cup final against Anderlecht, where Spurs were behind after they were behind in the game at home, and it was the second leg, deep, deep, deep into extra time, into sorry, into normal time. As you remember, the game was won on penalties. Eventually, Tony Parks' save and all that. Graham Roberts was um, the kind of player I would like to have been, i.e. tough, but also really, really good. And uh, he scored the most inconsequential-looking goal, bundling the ball over the line to send the stadium into a rapture that I can't remember. And I've seen Spurs, I've been lucky. I've seen them win lots of trophies and do lots of marvellous things. But that night, the stadium, the old stadium, of course, to say, you know, it's a cliche, but I'm going to say it. It was rocking. And I mean, I could feel the concrete under my feet because we were on the standing in those days. I could feel it moving under my feet. Um, and to feel that wave of emotion for a player who wasn't, who was very popular, but not a goal scorer, getting the goal back. And I was there with my brother, actually. He was a neutral on these matters. And I remember turning to him saying, Spurs have got this now. Whatever else happens, just the wave in the, st- in the sta- stadium may-, may be new. For Graham to be at the centre of that, and I hope I have got it right, it was Graham, wasn't it? Someone look it up. I would absolutely, that was absolutely a brilliant, brilliant moment. I would have loved that. Right, I- I'm thinking a lot about Eric Lamella. And, and, right. and a couple of things, a couple of moments, really. The first, and I mentioned this on this podcast before, when he scored the fourth goal against Manchester City in 2015, like 20, September 2015, I think it was, yeah, um, where he took ages to go around the goalkeeper and score. And, and I've talked about having like this kind of out-of-body experience where I sort of thought I was going to pass out when all this was going on. It felt like it went on for about half an hour. I'd like to have experienced that from his end to see whether he was having sort of serious, uh, similar issues. Also, then obviously you've got the two Rabona goals. Those would be pretty great moments. I mean, what imagine what it feels like to score a goal like that, and best of all, obviously getting up in Jack Wilshere's face. And I just, and I just, my loyalty to Eric Lamella is such that when, as a guy who scored a, a sort of Rabona for Hull last night against Rotherham, maybe I don't know if any of you have seen that in the Championship last night, we beat a couple of players and then did it from like the byline. And everyone on Twitter last night was going mad for this goal. But then there's like this sort of Zapruder film from another angle of like a massive deflection off the centre-back. It's actually just an own goal. So and I was really happy that that was the case because I didn't want a better goal than Lamellas to have been scored. Um, you're listening to The View from the Lane. Thank you for those questions. We might get one or two more and we'll see if we can squeeze them in. Absolutely fascinating. Thanks very much indeed. You're listening to The View from the Lane. I'm Danny Kelly and these are the great footballers of the day. James Moore and Charlie Eccleshare. They're with me too. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everybody, to The View from the Lane. I'm Danny Kelly. Charlie Eckershaw and James Moore are with me as well. Um, a piece coming up in The Athletic this week about our captain Son and a certain fracker whilst away with the South Korea on international duty. Um, we saw him where, where I think he's, he's on his left hand and his two fingers were tied together for the most recent his most recent appearance um, because of, a, as I say, some kind of dispute um, with his teammates. Charlie, you've got the inside track on this, I think. Yeah, it's quite an amazing story. I mean, the well, you know, you think you don't normally this sort of thing. You know, there are often disputes uh, in international camps, but it doesn't really come out to quite this extent. But yeah, the night before um, uh, South Korea played their Asia Cup semi final um, against Jordan, which they went on to lose, uh, there was an incident where a few of the younger players were kind of rushing through their dinner because they wanted to get off and play table tennis. And we're getting up to do so uh, before the senior players had finished. Up they got. So Son was going, like, what are you doing? And Lee Kang-in, who's 22, and one of the bigger names, but a kind of representative of the younger players, was like, what's the problem? It all escalated. Various players are piling in. Um, Son, in depending on who, you know, on who's telling of it, he was trying to break it up and he dislocated... Uh, finger doing so Lee was apparently pushed in the stomach uh, I mean it was yeah it sounded like it really got heated and bearing in mind this this was about more than just table tennis uh, it had kind of been brewing for the whole tournament and for weeks you know a, a perception from Son's side that a lot of the younger players weren't taking things seriously enough I think from some of those younger players that they weren't really being taken seriously enough and and it's kind of a you know there's quite a clear hierarchy for a lot of these international teams and career is quite a hierarchical society generally and you know I was speaking to someone who was saying that that can be overstated a little bit it's not quite how it was but even so generally it's seen as pretty disrespectful to your elders to just get up um before they finish and not just elders but senior players you know like Son who, who is the captain you don't want to get indigestion before a big game 
big game of table tennis. Well, the semi-final of a major tournament. If you get indigestion the night before, then you're going to be knackered. Yeah, so I, I think it fell to Son like this was kind of more evidence they weren't really taking things particularly seriously. Um, and yeah, it all kicked off. And then been reports that some some of the squad wanted Lee not to play in the semi. That's been denied by others. He did, you know, and they, they, they obviously went on to lose. I mean, it sounds like a really, really unhappy camp. Clearly, you know, both with Klinsman, there's a lot of unhappiness there, certainly from supporters. And then divisions amongst the players and, and all and underpinning all of this, a sense that this was their best chance to win the Asia Cup for the first time since 1960. Totally. That, that was totally. kind of being blown. So, yeah, it all kind of erupted in this um, big physical disagreement. I mean, it's really interesting, Charlie, because, you you know, on paper, Japan may have a, a deeper squad, but on paper... And again, I had experts reporting this back to me on Trans Europe Express. Um, that central spine of Kim Min Jai, Lee, who talked about their place for Paris Saint Germain, and uh, our own blessed Sonny, um, they had the most. And Huang as well from uh, yeah, Wolves. Exactly, but, they, but down the middle them. of the team, they, they they were unmatched in that. And they, uh, the thought was, if they if they play anything like, they should be, you know. And once Japan were knocked out, um, they were they were mad favourites. Um, for those games, the game that they lost. And um, it's interesting that there is a background to this now because, of course, we all know from endless England camps and uh, no doubt someone will give me an example of a camp that was completely dysfunctional and they went on to win the trophy. By and large, international groups have to be together, otherwise they just don't don't make any progress. That's fascinating. Of course, it would have been, to use another kind of way of using the word the most spursy thing ever if after a month and a half of waiting for son to come back he'd got a broken wrist or something um in a fight over people wanted to go and play computer games or ping pong or whatever it was that they wanted <laughs> and to do i did do. think that was like lucky imagine if he had actually because also if he'd suffered an injury that ruled him out of the game oh. and then you know them having to obfuscate what is an interesting uh element to this as well is that the korean fa kind of quite happily confirmed this story uh, when I gather they're generally quite reluctant to do that sort of thing and like to keep quiet. And there are kind of differing theories on this. One is that they were happy for it to be out because it sort of draws attention from Klinsman and his failings because they, they want to keep him on. The other school of thought is that people who are unhappy with Klinsman have leaked it and got it out because they, they're, they're out to get him out. So, I mean, there's so much accusation and counter accusation and they play again on the 21st of March I think it's against Thailand a World Cup qualifier so I mean there is a huge amount for Klinsman if he's still there and if not the Korean FA to resolve in just over a month Jürgen Klinsman of course we had him on the podcast a, a while ago he is a person who likes to see the glass half full he is a happy bloke he smiles a lot um, and anyone who saw um, Son's interview after the, after they went out of the, tr- the tournament saw that we saw him as disconsolate as you ever see him. And this is because, again, in Korean society, if something is serious, you're, you're supposed to look sad and serious about it. Well, and he wasn't deemed to be serious enough. There was a lot of frustration that he was smile- you know, seemingly, by their standards, smiling and was fine about it. Let's move on. OK, this is the one I haven't got a clue here. This is from Danny, Danny THFC. If Vicario gets a blue card, they're not coming in. I've put a stop to all that. I've spoke to various people in the last three days. But if Vicario were to get this famous blue card, who are you putting in goal for those 10 minutes? Asks Danny. I'm thinking now purely purely because this is like front of mind because of things that have happened in the last couple of weeks. But if we're going to see a goalkeeper bullied at corners, 
I wonder. I, I'm thinking Kulusevski because he's kind of he he's strong but also athletic, and I think he'd be quite good at kind of fending people off and going to get the ball. Yeah, I thought for one dreadful moment you're going to put Christian Romero in goal there. That ain't no, going to work. I, 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 no, that feels like <laughs> the maddest answer. I might uh, I might go Mickey Van der Ven, yeah. given his height. Uh, speed off his line. They can yeah, still play true. that high line, yeah. and you know he's gonna he's gonna sweep. Would you just have him as I mean, rush keeper, or just do monkey rush, and everyone can go? <laughs> in. Um, I mean, Harry Kane is obviously the the one the answer to this previously, given his experience of doing it. But yeah, without him, I think I'd go Van der Ven. Yeah, I mean, but Kane Kane was the answer to the question. Uh, if the answer was the question was whoever fancies themselves in goal, but Harry was no good, was he? No, that we can say kick? we can say that now. Well, yeah. Oh, he was rubbish in goal. I suspect the person who would like to do it would be Madison. I bet he thinks yeah. he's really good in goal. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what, actually, though? More grist to the to James's Kudusevsky mill. When I interviewed Udogi, he was saying how Kudusevsky is an amazing basketball player. Oh, yeah. Oh, so he's got that. that hand-eye coordination. So I think that's a good shout, actually. Um, listen, thank you for all the questions. And we'll get more of them on. And uh, they really were very, very good. Which takes us to next Saturday, 3 o'clock. There you go again. When Spurs take on Wolves. These home games for Spurs, to me, have the character of must-win about them. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, also Wolves is just broken that Cunha is out of the game and might, and looks to be out for the whole season, which is shame. Oh wow, really, yeah, really, really bad yeah. news for him. Yeah, and for Wolves, but you know, clearly that is advantageous to Spurs on the weekend. Yeah, I think it does have that feel in some ways. I mean, I've said for a while I thought Spurs to me look better than Aston Villa. And that's definitely been reinforced the last few weeks. I, I, I'm pretty confident Spurs will finish above Villa. Um, so you've just got Roy Keane and Gary Neville's prediction that Manchester United will hunt them down. Yeah, I mean, Spurs are so much better than Manchester United. Like, how anyone can think, you know, I, Villa, to be fair, is as good a team as they've beaten away under Ten Hag. I mean, their away record's so bad. But yeah, I just think Spurs are a lot more coherent I mean, you mentioned about week bouncing from week to week. That under Conte, United feel very similar to that. I know at the moment they're on a decent run, but yeah, so I, I'm I'm pretty confident um, about Spurs. But yeah, if they want to maintain this momentum, uh, yeah, win the I th- you know be so good if they can win this game and beat Palace in the next two games, the boost that would give them then going to Villa for that away game. Who, by the way, are, have also lost players for the rest of the season. It sounds like so. Um, you know, the, the, while at the same time Spurs' injury of unavailability crisis has eased, um, but yeah, I, I think it's a game that they really, really should be winning. And they owe Wolves. You know, Wolves have won three at the last four, and the last team that Spurs didn't score against in the Premier League. They're on this run of thirty-six straight. It is an amazingly reassuring feeling, even when they go behind as they did last week, um, that they will at least score. Well, I've, yeah, I've written a piece on the fact that, yeah, that if they score against Wolves, that's 37 straight, which is the second most consecutively ever by a Premier Arsenal League Arsenal's still way over based, the horizon, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Arsenal 55. Yeah. Arsenal also the only team to do it all in one seat, to do a whole season. But Spurs could do it. Yeah. I mean, Spurs... So Spurs will be on uh, 37, so that would put them clear second. But yeah, on the scoring in every game this season, I wouldn't totally rule it out. Like, they've... There have only been two games where they've uh, in the whole run where they've been close not to doing it. They got a Kane 90th minute penalty and a defeat to Villa in May. And then obviously those two goals against Sheffield United. But 
Under Ange, in 22 out of 24 league games, they've scored by the 61st minute. So they've been, you know, and in so many games... They've they got three goals one. at Manchester City, you know, so all things are possible. Yeah, all three, things three goals possible. at City with Hill and Hoybier playing a half each in attacking roles, with, with all due respect. What do you think about the issue for Spurs, I mean, with, with this Wolves game, uh, James? And of course, we have ourselves in an unusual position here that because of the international call-ups, there's a long suspensions... And I will never really understand how that tackle against um, his c- contemporary meant that Christian Romero m- missed 8.5% of the season for getting the ball. All right, maybe he did catch the bloke afterwards as well, but ridiculous, that that, that, that suspension. And, of course, the return from long-term injuries and international duty means that Spurs, with these weeks off, should be gelling together better as a team as they head into these fixtures, which is not always the case as teams get tired at this time of the year. But, James, we have to um, we have to talk about Rodrigo, I think it's fair to say. Um, does Benton Kerr start uh, against Wolves? In your mind only. You're not the manager. I get that. Uh, I, I've come to accept that now. Mm, yeah. um, well, sometimes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Grudgingly. Begrudgingly, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say possibly not. I, I mean, I suppose there are equivalent questions about the fitness of or sharpness of Basuma but if he's somewhere near peak condition then or, or nearer peak condition than Benton Kerr then I would definitely suggest that might be a better option I mean Charlie wrote about this earlier in the week and I was kind of half expecting him to get a bit of criticism when he tweeted it but I think most people seem to kind of agree that uh, it would be sensible to rotate him out and I know that is a bit of a um, cop out to use that phrase but I think that is actually what we're talking about here isn't it we're talking about like resting him for a game rather than dropping him really yeah I just th- and I think like said in the piece the great thing is that Spurs are in a position where they can finally rotate really good players you know because they have replacements of a similar level you know it wouldn't be a big drop off but Basuma we were talking about as one of the best players in the Premier League for the, for the early weeks you know whereas I mean, that, that stat that did the rounds of like how few games Spurs have won without Kane and Son, what struck me was how few games they played without Kane and Son. I think it was six from Son's debut in 2015 to when he went away to the Asia Cup last month. I mean, that's incredible and, and speaks to the fact that, yes, speaks to their durability, which is amazing, but also the fact that no manager could ever rest them, really. Um, whereas I think, you know, we've spoken about how Bentecourt, the recovery will take a while, I don't think anyone's saying like, oh, he's played badly, get him out of the team. It's just, yeah, he might need a little rest. And we saw with Brennan Johnson how much he's benefited from not starting every game. And and if, as James says, if Basuma's fit, he can come in. And, and you know, it's a it's a 16-player game nowadays, isn't it, with the five subs? How good to be able to bring Benton Core on potentially at half-time, 60 minutes, whenever you One want. One of the underlying themes of your of your piece was that um, medical people think it might be next season before we see Benton go back to his absolute best. Um, and of course, that the suggestion from that is you need a proper pre-season. You almost really, you know, and I know recovery is not the same as pre-season. I know you're in the training ground every day, but it's not the same thing. Um, and so if Benton Kerr becomes a squad player, an impact substitute, whatever it's going to be for a few games, nothing wrong with that. That is a lot better than looking down the line of players and thinking none of these are proven Premier League players. And I think I would start Pesuma. Saar and Madison because midfield in the modern game with people coming from all angles 
um, and you know, inverting all the rest of it. The midfield is all about balance now. It's not about the best three players you've got at the club. They have to be people who do the different jobs to a, a high level, you know, and I get into trouble calling people a defensive midfielder, but somebody who plays nearer to the defenders than the others, Basuma, I think, it, it, before his fall fell away, he lost confidence after the sending off. Before that, I think I think he's the best at that. Saar covers the ground, and Madison gives you the opportunity of a little bit of fairy dust on these forward-going moves, uh, as well as obviously important to the spirit of the team. So I'd probably go with those three and see how, how they got on. The other question, I guess, is, I don't know, we talked about this before the Brighton game as well, who misses out out of, I guess, probably Richarlison, Werner and Son? I mean, I'm assuming most people would say, or, or, or certainly the two of you would say Son should start now. Yeah. A, yeah. a dislocated finger or otherwise. Yeah. Uh, he was fine, but it didn't seem to affect him. And Richarlison. We, we know he's not going to have indigestion either. So. It'll be it'll be Werner. <laughs> and again, there's a there's a there's a yeah. a moment of loveliness about that in that given his pace, and I know the other team is allowed to replace five players as well, but they tend not to replace the defenders. Um if he gets twenty five minutes at the end of a game coming on against tiring athletes, um his pace could become another five percent more critical. Here's an amazing player to bring off the bench. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And he's not been on the bench. He's started all five of his Spurs appearances so far. So that will be another dimension. It will also be the first time that Basuma, Madison and Saar have played together or certainly started. It actually must be... Or so, yeah, certainly started a game since the Chelsea yeah. one. Thanks for mentioning the, the Chelsea thing because um, whatever else happens against Wolves, we can have a repeat of that. Um, and it's been a joy. Thank you very, very much indeed, Charlie. Thank you very, very much indeed, James, who once again has risen from his slightly sick bed to help us out here on The View from the Lane. Thank you all for those questions and thank you for listening. Um, a reminder, as always, that the show has an official home on Twitter or X for those of you who are new. VFTL at theathletic.com for your emails and for the best Spurs coverage anywhere. Again, I can say that with my hand on my heart. Make sure you sign up to The Athletic itself. Take advantage of our latest offer of just $1.99 a month for 12 months. Simply go to athletics.com forward slash Spurs pod to subscribe. Um, see you all again early next week and hopefully Spurs will have put another three points away in their race towards Champions League qualification. Let's hope so. The Athletic.